Hey, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want to say thank you for joining us here online. It is our prayer today that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our three services on Sunday at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 12 p.m. We're located at 4401 Highway 155 North in Stockbridge, Georgia. You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day. And so today I, wanna, I just want to tell you there's four things that I think that most people uh, determine the, the significance of life by. And the first one is this, and which is the most dangerous of all. And that is they determine their significance by what people say about them. They live for what do, what do people say? I want to tell you, if you live your life by what people say about you, you are living on dangerous turf. Just ask Jesus. Like, remember Jesus? How that, hey, you're the Messiah. Remember Hosanna? And then, then shoot, just a couple days later, they crucified him. And so, so just understand that you cannot live your life by what people say about you. Because that, that will go up and down all the time. Sometimes you're a hero and sometimes you're zero, right? And uh, especially as a parent, right? As your parent, you know, sometimes you're the parent, you're like, whoo, my kid's like, whoo, you're the greatest, you know? But then they're like, oh, you're the, you're the crappiest parent in the whole world, right? Have you ever been there as your parent? Okay. And those of you that aren't parents today, you're gonna get the, you'll get that one day, all right? Just know it. And the other one is, you know, success. People think if I can, you know, get the right career, if I can get the right degree, and all those things are great, but they will not bring significance in your life. The other thing is looks. People think, okay, if I can just look right, you know, that if I just have the good looks and, and you know, good-looking person, then I'm going to be a, have a life significance. Can I tell you something? If you have passed 22, you probably have passed your peak in looks. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's what the sociologists tell us, is that, hey, at 22 is when you peak. You know, and so now you understand how I got Rhonda, Right? Because I want to tell you, I was a good-looking man when I was younger, you know. What happened to you, Jeff? Well, time happened. That's what happened. I mean, listen, you know, it takes, a, it takes a long time to look like this. I mean, you know, time wore my hair right off. It did. It wore it off, you know. It wore these wrinkles and so forth. And so, so listen, and there's a, listen, have you ever seen some people that tried to reverse time with some cosmetic stuff that jacked them up? I see some people that face look like this. How you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that probably. But, uh, but anyways, you know, like, and, and, and I'm not saying, there's nothing wrong with, you should always try to look your best, okay? I want to say that, okay? And this is my best, I'm sorry, this is the best I got. But, uh, but look your best, but they're saying that's, that's, that's going to pass. And another's money. If people think, you know, if I can just have the right amount of dollars, you know, to get to the bank, then I'll feel significance in my life. And I want to tell you something. The only problem is that you can lose it and you can never build your life on something that you can lose. And, and so it will never ever give you the significance that you need. And so we want to talk about today through the Christmas story on how to find that significance, how to, be, how to build your life on things that, that will matter and that will make you feel significant, even though when all those other things that culture says falter because they will falter. So if you'll uh, write this down, the first thing I'd like to share with you is this. Number one, if you're going to find significance, this is, this is the number one thing. Here it is, ready? 
except God loves me no matter what. No matter what. Until you accept that fact, then my friend, you are never going to have the significance in your life that, that you want and that you need and that we all need. We're going to dive into the Christmas story, and this is pretty neat today, what I'm going to share with you. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of this. And so uh, as we dive into this story, I want us to begin reading in Luke's gospel. We're going to go back to the shepherds, okay? And we're going to find out through their life about the significance things. But as we read this passage, I've underlined some words. And what I like for you to do is when we get to those words, I like for you to read those words, okay? All right, you ready? So let's, let's begin reading. Luke 2 and 8, you ready? I'll read and you read what's underlined. You ready? And there were... You did good. The first service couldn't catch on like you. I just want you to know that. But maybe they were frozen, all right? So, okay. So, and there were shepherds living in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. You ready? Let's continue reading. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby, baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Okay. This, this is so much about significance. You got to get the picture. God is announcing to the whole world that he is bringing his son into the world. And so it really jacks everybody up of that day and time because he chooses to do it to shepherds. He chooses to tell shepherds to the announcement. I mean, God throws a big party in the sky and he chooses to announce it to them first. This is so confusing because remember in the Christmas story how we talk about the you know, the wise men from the east come. Remember that, how we talked about that? They come to these, and the first place that they stopped looking for Jesus was in Herod's palace. You know, in the, they went to the king's palace. They thought that if a king was being born, that he probably was going to be born in the palace. And all the religious people of that day missed Jesus' birth as well because they also were looking for some great phenomenon, some great... Uh, you know, that he would be born in a palace, that he would make that announcement there. But God jacks everybody up because he goes to shepherds. Now, here's the importance of that. A shepherd in Jesus' day was not the person that would win the popularity contest because they were looked down upon as the lowlife. Matter of fact, if you were to look on the social ladder, you would find that they're on the lowest rung a shepherd was. There was a constant dispute between farmers and shepherds. Here's the reason. Over in the Middle East, there's not a lot of land. Like, you know, here we drive forever, and there's miles and miles and miles of pasture land and all that. Well, there's desert there, okay? And so the area that, that grows vegetation and stuff like that is very limited. And so many times, the shepherds, when they took over that land or they would bring their sheep in, would destroy the vegetation. And so there was a constant war between uh, those in agriculture 
and those of the sh uh, shepherds because they didn't want them eating up the agriculture. And so in that day, there was more people that were farmers than shepherds. And so they become the low life. They talked about them very bad. They said that a shepherd was so low that you could put them in the class with a tax collector or a person who sweeps dung up off the street. Okay, you may have to explain that word dung to people beside you later, okay? But anyways, so they were the pooper scoopers. There we go. How about that? Let's do that. All right. So, so they, they were such a low life class. And here we go. Here we go. Watch this. Because God wanted to show us that he come for all people. This is what he did. To announce his birth, he come to the lowest of the low. Now, the reason the shepherds were out in the fields with their sheep is because they weren't allowed anywhere else. You know, they had to stay out there. And so God comes to them and he, he introduces his son and he says this. He said that uh, he is going to be born in, the, in Bethlehem and it's going to be a baby. Okay? So that is the first thing we have to understand. That God comes to no matter what people have called you, no matter what title people have given you, and all of us in our lives have had people give us labels, right? Come on, am I the only one? Anybody ever called you any bad names? Well, I've been called a few bad names myself. They've tried to label me as things, and I'm sure they've tried to label you. And what God is saying, no matter what label people have tried to put on you and try to tell you, I love you no matter what. And so the shepherds were more surprised than anybody else because even the religious people of their day shunned them, right? They were the low class. And when God Almighty, through an angel, comes down and talks to him and says, you're the one, we want to tell you about, the, about my son's birth, and we want you to be the first ones to go see him, then they were stunned. But what God was doing was sending a message to all of us. You and I today were saying, hey, that you matter to God no matter what. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what they've said, no matter what, God, you are loved by God. You're loved by God. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Would, you. would you agree? I want you to think about a person right now that you're friends with. A person you're... Now, some of you got to think a little hard here. I know. You're scaring me because you're not laughing at all this morning. You're like, I ain't saying that. I want you to think about a person that's just your friend. Would you agree with me what makes them your friends is that you think they're a pretty okay person? Would you agree with that? Okay, that, that's what makes it, you think they're pretty okay. Would you also agree with me that what makes them your friend is that you think that they think that you're okay? Would you agree with that? I mean, like, it's hard to be good friends with somebody that, that you think that they think you're a jerk, Right? I mean, when you think that someone thinks that you're a jerk, then it's hard to be friends with that person, right? You're like, man, what's wrong with you, you know? And you just feel like, you know, when you walk around them, they, don't, they, don't, they just don't interact with you. They sort of give you the cold shirt. So you think that they think that you're a jerk. And so it's hard to be friends with that. So here's what I'm telling you. What's important in every, every relationship is that, number one, what I think about my friend, but also what I think my friend thinks about me. Would you agree with that? Have I got you confused yet? Or are you just lost? Okay. Now watch it. This is so important. The reason we have Christmas is because God came to the earth. And when he announced to the shepherds that he was coming, how did he, he said that you're going to find a what there in the stable? What are you going to find? A baby, right? When God chose to change his reputation... He chose to come in the form of a baby. Now, here's what happens. 
God had to change what we thought about God and what we thought that God thought about us. You got to hold on with me, all right? I'm going to lose you. See, before Jesus came, God had a bad reputation. I mean, if people did things that was outside of God's will, the only way he could get their attention was that he killed some people. I mean, it's like when God showed up, it's like either it was a miracle or it's like people died. I mean, it's just like, wow, they died. And so people were scared to death of God. And so when they were talking about God, they were scared to death. And so God came, Christmas is all about God changing his reputation. And so God knew if he come in any other form outside of a baby, we'd been scared to death. But God said, I want to come to his son as a baby so that we wouldn't be afraid of him. And so God said, wants you to know that, listen, that reason that Christmas happened was so that you could understand, so that you could think good about God again, that God is good, right? God is good, right? God is good all the time and all the time. God is good, right? God is good. So that we, God wanted to change the way we thought about him, but also God wanted to change the way that we thought, he thought about us. You get that? God, Christmas is all about God changing the way that we think about him, but also changing our minds of thinking about the way that he thinks about us. If you think that God doesn't like you, if you think God's not interested in you, if you think God is constantly disappointed in you, then are you going to think that God, are you going to be in close relationship with God? Nada. No. And so God had to change. That's what Christmas is all about. So God wants to change the way that you think that he thinks about you. And some of you right now are still stuck in that mold that you think that God's disappointed in you, you think God's mad at you, you think God doesn't like you, you think all of that. And I'm going to tell you, you will never ever be close to God as long as you think that way. So you've got to change your thinking because that is not true. And God came to the shepherds to say, hey, to the lowest of the lowest, everybody that said, you're the lowest of the low, God came to that person, those shepherds, that, that evening and said, I want to announce to you to show the world that I that I love you no matter what label you've had, no matter what mistakes you've had, no matter what sins you've committed, there is nothing that can ever stop me from loving you. And when I think about you, I don't think about all that you've done wrong. I think about the good thoughts of you. I think about what you can be. I think what you're going to be. I think good of you. Amen. Merry Christmas, somebody, Merry Christmas, somebody just got it. Somebody like, you thought God didn't like you. You thought when God thought about you, he thought about all the bad. No, 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 no. Merry Christmas because you get to walk out of here today that no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing right now, I want you to know that God loves you. You can't change that. You can't make him change his mind. He thinks good thoughts about you and he wants the best for you. And that's just the way it is whether you like it or not. I'm sorry if you come in for bad news today. I just got good news. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. You've got to ask this, honest, you've got to ask this question honestly. How do you think of God? You will never be close to a God that you think horrible things of. You just won't. How do you think? Of, you've got to change the way you think about God. Now, here's the other question. How do you think God thinks of you? Until you change that thinking in your mind, you will never be close to God. Never, ever be close to God.
You got to change that. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus wanted to be very clear about this. Look what he says in John 3, 16 and 17. For who? God. For God. For God so loved the what? Why don't you just take and circle the, those two words, the world, and why don't you just put the word me over the top of that? And we're going to read that statement again, and we're going to read it with that word. Without reading those two last words, just read the word me. Ready? Let's read it. For God so loved me. Bam. Let's read that again. You ready? For God so loved me. Me. God so loved me that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? For God did not send his son into the world to what? To condemn the world. Now let's just take the word thee out right there and let's just say that, okay? So God did not send his son into the world to what? Condemn. Let's say it again. To what? Condemn me. Jesus was not about that condemning me. But to save me, would you say that? Save me through him. So here's what I want to tell you. God is not about always bringing up your past and making you feel bad for your past. God doesn't want to condemn you for your past. He wants to save your future. Did you hear that? God wants to save your future. Now, let me just tell you this, okay, before we move on. There is a difference between the someone, God is loved by everybody, God is loved by everyone, or, or not loved by, God loves everyone, but I want you to know, not everyone is a child of God. Now, if you, today, if you're, you say, I'm an atheist today, I want to tell you, you're still loved by God, you can't change that. You say, I don't believe there's a God, that's all right, you don't change God's love for you, he still loves you. But not everybody's a child of God. You have to choose to become a child of God. And so the way that you do that is that you begin to say, okay, God, I want to live the life that you want me to live. I want to follow you. And so here's a prayer inside of our program because we're, listen, you got to make that decision. We're not pressuring you. It's the best decision you ever make. But inside of our program, there's a prayer that's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. If you want to become a child of God, you say this prayer and you say, me, that's me, God. And when you do that, God's going to come into your life, okay, in a big way. Now, we just ask you to check the box on this connection card. It says, I'm praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Okay? So do that today. All right, number two. Why are you writing it? Number two, would you write this down? Believe God will never give up on me. Believe God will never give up on me. And by the way, let me just say this. Listen, we're about to go into another brand new year, and some of you need to be baptized. I would challenge you, next weekend, we're having a baptism. Just on the back of your car, just check that box. That I want to be baptized next week. We, we'll baptize you so that you can walk into the new year with, 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 in a newness of God. Okay, so number two is believe God will never give up on me. Now, as we look here in Luke 15, again, we're gonna, Jesus is telling his story. He's grown up now. He's telling his story. Look what Jesus says. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, let's party. Okay, I'm sorry, that's weird. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now look what's underlined here. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so what God is saying is, is this, is that he's always pursuing you. Let me, let me tell you that there's many people in this room that have made a decision to become a Christ follower. But you know what, right now, if I were to ask you, how's your relationship with God, you really would say, okay, well, maybe I'm not walking in the will of God right now. I, am, I, am away, I have walked away from God, really. I'm just really not living that life. What I want you to know is, is that God's on your trail. He's after you. That's why you're miserable. Do you know the most miserable people I know if people said, I want to be a Christ follower, but yet they're not following Christ and they're actually walk, doing the opposite of what they know God wants them to do? They're the most miserable people I know. And so what I want to tell you is that God is always on a hunt for you because you're his child and right now you're considered lost, okay? Is that, hey, you're, you're away from the fold and you're considered lost. I didn't really understand this until, uh, in a, well, I just got a new perspective when I was listening to a pastor, a friend of mine, uh, Craig, uh, Chris Hodges, I heard him tell the story. He has like five kids, and his youngest son's named Daniel, and he has, uh, he has, he's a child with uh, special needs. And he said they took a family trip out to Colorado out there. They were uh, all out there, you know, snow skiing and stuff. And there, there was two or three families that from his church went with them, and they were just having a good time. They all went into a restaurant, and, uh, you know, they started to sit down with their food. Well, they realized that they could not find his youngest son, Daniel, who's a child with special needs. So they said, oh, he's in the, probably the bathroom. So they went in the bathroom. They couldn't find him there. They looked at the restaurant, could not find him there. He said, all of a sudden, I began to panic. And, you know, here my son is, out of all my children, the one that would be the most terrified about being lost was Daniel because he knew he could not communicate about where, who his parents were and where they were at. And so he said, you know what? I began to freak out. And he said, I saw an officer on the streets right there. And I, I said, hey, listen, you know, my son's lost. Help me find him. And he said, the officer was like, okay, well, how many children do you have? He's like, I have five kids, but hey, the one's lost. He's well, he's like, the guy was asking me like, oh, okay, well, you got five. You can afford to lose one. And so he's like, he's like, you know, he said, I want to tell you, it did not matter that I had four other children at that point. The only thing that mattered is I had one child that was lost and said, we frantically went around and about 45 minutes later, we actually ended up finding Daniel. He said, but I can tell you in that one moment, all that mattered to me was that the one was lost and we were doing everything we could to be in pursuit of him and to find him. And I want to tell you today, if, if you've made a decision to become a Christ follower and you've walked away from your relationship with God and you're distant from God, God is hot on your trail and he is doing everything he can to try to bring you back. And I just want to tell you, God never gives up on you. He's always tracking you. And so I want to tell you, the best Christmas present you can give yourself today is that you decide that you're going to quit running from God and run back to him and let him begin to bring joy back into your life. Amen. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Jesus tells the story about, about uh, the lost sheep. Do you know there is a big difference between misplacing something and losing something? Would you agree with that? Matter of fact, you know, all those SEC pins that you've stolen. <laughs> like, oh my God, has he seen in my purse right now? I got six of them. 
We're glad that you have them. Just leave, when you go to the restaurant and you sign your table, just leave the pen on the table for somebody else, all right? That's why we do that. But here's what I'm going to tell you. If you, misplace an, uh, if you put a, a, a misplace an ink pen, that's not a big deal, right? I mean, like, man, where did I put that pen? I can't find it, but anyway, you just go on. I don't know about you, but I, I find out that I misplace things a lot lately. Like, I can, I can have, like, a glass of water or, or a soda in my hand and, you know, uh, doing a project around my house and set that down, and I can't even find where I left my soda. I'm like, where is my soda at? You know, where is my water at? I can't keep up with anything if I don't keep it right with me. So, but I miss, that's misplaced it. Now, here's what I'm telling you. There's a difference between misplacing and losing something. Now, when I can't find my keys, they're lost. I got to, where, where are my keys? They're lost. I need my keys, right? When I, when I can't find my cell phone, oh my, I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. Have you ever seen a teenager that couldn't find their phone? I mean, it's Xanax time, right? I mean, he's like, you better go to the pharmacy. They're having a meltdown, breakdown. It's all, it's a, their, their life is over. Why? Because that has value to them. And so what I want to tell you is this, is that, you know, uh, human beings lose a lot when they, when they walk away from God. They lose, their, they lose their direction. They lose God's protection. They also lose uh, their potential, and they lose their happiness, and sometimes even lose their home in heaven. You know, but one thing that you never lose, no matter what's going on in your life, you never use, lose the value that you have to God. You see, what I've discovered is this, is that, you know, Rhonda and I are beginning to talk about a purchase of our vehicle because in the spring, our initiative will be over here, at, at the, our building initiative. And so we're going to buy another vehicle. And so what I've discovered is, is if I want to find the value of a vehicle, what I have to do is I have to go to this book. It's called the Kelly Blue Book. It looks just like this. And I can go there and I can look at the miles on the vehicle and I can look at the year on it and it will tell me what it's worth. And I love putting that on my phone, like pulling it up on my phone before I go into a dealership. I love it because I'm an armed man. Like, you know what, like I, I go in there and they'll tell me, well, here's this car, you know, it's worth so much. And I say, oh, but just wait a minute. Here's what old Kelly Blue Book says it's worth. I'm like, Rhonda, don't you worry about it. I'm your man. You just, I got this. I got this. They ain't getting me, baby. They might have got a lot of, they ain't getting me. I got Kelly Blue Book right here. And so, so I, I'm armed. With, I know the value of every vehicle because of Kelly Blue Book. Here's what I want to tell you. When you want to know the value of you, you don't go to Kelly Blue Book. You go to God's book, the Holy Bible. Amen? Amen? When you want to know how valuable you are, I don't care what your ex-husband or your ex-wife has said. I don't care what your parents said. I don't care what your teacher said. I don't care what your coach said. I don't care what anybody else says who said you will never amount to nothing. I want to tell you, God says something totally different, that you're mine and I love you and I'm always in pursuit of you. Amen? Amen. God is tracking you. He wants you. And so what I want to tell you is this, is that, listen, today my hope and God's hope today is this, is that you understand that he loves me no matter what, but God never gives up on me. So you're never going to be, you're never going to have the joy that you want until you quit walking away from God and you start walking back to God. So those of you that are already Christ followers, I'm talking to you today. What are you doing in your life that's walking away from God? Why don't you just stop it and why don't you walk back toward God? Amen. That's how you have a Merry Christmas. Number three, I want to share the last thing with you. 
The third thing I would share with you with this is this. How to find significance is live in the favor of God. Live in the favor of God. In Luke 2 and 13, look what it says. Now again, let me, before we read this, I've got to pull you back up. Shepherds in the field, remember they're in the field. The angels already come and told them everything about, you know, the baby's going to be born. After the angel says that, the angel does something, something happens while the angel's there. Look what happens. It says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. So that means that God said, hey, I'm not just sending you an angel. God rolled back the whole heavens and let them guys see all of heaven. Those people that were lowlifes, that were nobodies, right? The shepherds. He rolled back all of heaven so they could see into heaven. And they were blown away. They seen things that nobody else had ever seen on earth. They saw it. And it goes on to say this. It says, so a great, uh, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. What? Peace. Now notice peace here. Watch this. On earth, peace to. Notice this. Peace to men, which, now when the Bible uses the term men like that, it's, it's talking about mankind, all right? So it's men and women. So peace on earth to mankind on whom his favor, what? Okay, so everybody's not going to have peace. You understand that? He says that because of Jesus, everybody on earth, whoever, whoever lives in the favor of God will have the peace of God. Many people are trying to have the peace of God and they don't have the favor of God. So I want to tell you, so I don't know about you, but if I was sitting where you are and didn't know what I was about to tell you, I'd be asking this question, okay, how do I get the favor of God? Right? I mean, like, is that coming across your mind right now? Like, okay, tell me how to get the favor of God, man. Let's go, get with it. Here we go. In order to have the favor of God, Jesus said this in Matthew 22 and verse 37 through 39. And this is the way he said you get the favor of God. Look what it says. When he was asked about the great commandment, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your what? And with all your soul. And with all your Okay. Let me stop right there. Time out. Would you agree with me? He's describing love. And God said, Jesus said, okay, if you're going to have the favor of God, you've got to love God back. Okay, remember that's loving God back is a relationship. Here's what I want to tell you. How do you love someone? Would you agree with me, in order to love someone, you've got to give up what you want? Would you agree with that? I mean, you bring a baby home, my friend, and you're going to find out what love is all about. Because you used to just love going off with your friends, but right now you can't go off with your friends because you got to pack the whole house to go off. <laughs> right? I mean, you got to pack up. You're like, you, 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 you haul, come and follow me, right? So, so I'm saying, so you're willing to give up. When Rhonda and I got married, you know, I missed this part, you know, and when it, I just went through the vow and he's, the pastor read this stuff. I said, oh, I do, I do, I do. I mean, I'm going to get married. Let's go. I didn't understand that, but I heard her part. When she said, I do, I was like, oh, hey, you said I do. She's like, you said I do. And so really when you say I do, you're saying I will give up my will, right? Isn't that what Jesus did right before he went to the cross? Remember, he was praying and said, he says, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Anytime that you're going to express love to someone, you're going to give up something to try to, to give to them. And that's what makes great relationships, by the way. Selfish people don't have good relationships. Matter of fact, their relationships don't last. Love is when you're willing to give up something for someone else. 
And God is saying, when you give your will up for me, then guess what? That is expressing that you love me. That's how we love God back, is that we do God's will instead of our will. That is how we love him back. That's how we walk in a relationship with God. Then he goes on to say this last part too. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. And let's read it together. You ready? Come on. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what he's saying. The key to the favor of God, the key to the favor of God is love God, do what God wants you to do, and serve people. Love God, serve people. Here's why. Because the little things that you do will change someone's outcome in their life. God has put you in the path of people that you're going to meet and, meet and you're going to get to speak into their life. You're going to say something that's going to change your life. Just like in that clip right there. George Bailey, his brother got a, uh, a Congressional Medal of Honor. And the way that happened is because George Bailey saved his brother when his brother was eight years old. He had fallen through the ice and he saved him. That one act saved his brother's life and then later on his brother went on to save a lot of other people's lives in the war what I want to tell you today the words that you speak and the actions that you have around people when you speak into them you're giving them the opportunity for a better life you're giving them that and today what I want to tell you is that you don't know right now the people around you it seems a little insignificant the things that you're saying the people that surround you but no 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 God is using you serve people that their life may change and you may never hear it on this earth but what's going to make heaven heaven is this is that you're going to get to hear person after person after person come up to you and say you know I'm here because you did this because you said that because you did this that's what makes a Merry Christmas is you understand your life has meaning and every person that you come in contact with God's put you in place you're an agent in place would you stand with me now and let me pray with you? The last step on our, our connection card is this. It says, I will do my best to show my love for God by serving people this week. What I want to ask you to do, the step I want you to do, I want you to say, okay, I will. I want you to walk out of here this building today. And I want you to go with the mindset that this week, I'm going to do my very best to serve people. As a matter of fact, why don't you start in your own home? Why don't you just start there? Just say, okay, I'm going to give up. I'm going to show you my love by giving up what I want. And I'm going to watch. I'm going to do what you want. So guys, this afternoon, it might be, you know, the NFL game's on this afternoon. Uh-oh, I didn't start it. Oh, boy, I should have shut up before that, right? It's over now, right? Ladies, maybe you got a shopping trip planned. But I'm just saying, just what can I do to serve somebody this week? Let me pray for you. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that we are loved by you no matter what. And God, you never give up on us. So today we quit running from you. God, we're running. We're going back to you. People in this room are doing that. And today, God, help us to serve other people. In Jesus' name we pray. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.